Hello and welcome back to the TTP, Tatani Talks Parsha, this year where we talk about the Parsha of the week, also the holiday of the week with some practical lessons to keep. We have come to Hanukkah, my favorite holiday of the entire year, yes! Very exciting, very, very exciting. We lit a couple of candles in our house, we set up the menorahs for my wife and I, we shared the big silver one. And then we have the Kota one that my son made in preschool, and we have the two trained ceramic ones we bought. For the other two kids, of course, they're like hand over hand for them. And it's wonderful, wonderful. My guitar is out. We play the Maltzor. We play ahead a little dreidel. We have the decorations on the front door, on the front window. We have three little electric menorahs around the house. And I am so happy. It is Hanukkah. But the question is... How does Hanukkah come about in the face of the society around us? And as we come to Parsha Smikis, which is usually the Parsha that we see around Hanukkah time, how do we connect Mikates to Hanukkah? The very simple explanation is that there are about 2,000 words in the Parsha, I believe. Rabbi Artskul explains at the end of Parsha Smikates, there's an allusion to Mikates, to Hanukkah, I believe that there's 2,000 words, and then we add the 25 because of the Chaf Hei Kislev is when Hanukkah falls out, or something like that, where there's an allusion to Hanukkah. We know Hanukkah is Chanu Chaf Hei. They rested on the 25th. They inaugurated on the 25th. And we know all the days of Hanukkah. We also reference the Mishkan in the Midbar, where they dedicated the Hanukkah Tabayit, the Hanukkah of the actual Mishkan to dedicate the temp- to dedicate the Mishkan in the Midbar, and of course the rededication of the Temple was Hanukkah dedication on the twenty fifth. But interestingly, the Parsha itself, how do we see interesting parallels between Hanukkah and the Parsha? We talked about last time a little bit how Yosef is thrown into the pit, then he's sold to Mitzrayim, he's thrown into jail after his boss's wife accuses him of not good things. Of course, Yosef was completely innocent. Asnas, actually, the commentators say the daughter of the of the of the officer to Parah, Potiphar's wife's daughter, really, and his really his daughter. Asnas comes to Yosef's aid and says that he wasn't really guilty. That's why some say the commentators say that Potiphar literally walked Yosef to prison in the in that time. The death sentence for a crime like that would have actually been death. The sentence for a crime like that would have been death. The fact that he was thrown into prison shows that Potiphar probably didn't trust his wife's claims. He knew Yosef. He knew Yosef's mannerisms. He was living with them probably for a year, two years maybe, and he knew his wife. So whose claim does he really believe? So he probably trusted Yosef, but the Rajko notes point out, I was reading it last week during the Parsha, about how, you know, he had to do something to Yosef. Otherwise, people would say even his children are his own. His wife is not really, you know, with with any aspect of his life. So he had to do something. He had to throw him into prison. So he's in prison for 10 years, one year for each report he made. He, wrote, he reported about slanderously to his father, about his brothers. Obviously, Yosef, he didn't report about. Yosef was his full-fledged brother from his own mother. They say that that was the reason he was in 10 years and 2 years slammed on extra for putting too much faith into the Sar, into the Sar HaDabachim, the butler, trusting him too much, even though for us that would have been proper Heshtadlis, doing our due diligence of trying to get out of a really bad situation. But for Yosef, whose parents were patriarchs and matriarchs, his grandparents were, you know, he was on a different level. So Yosef is now in Mitzrayim. After... All this time, you know, after 12 years to the day, some say it was Rosh Hashanah, I think Rashi points out, literally, 
he's called to Paro, and Paro has these very strange dreams about the cows, the fat cows and the skinny cows, the fat stalks and the skinny stalks. It was repeated twice, and Yosef figures out. According to the commentators, it was not such a hard translation, but Hashem withheld the information from the courtiers and the astrologers and the necromancers. Mitraim, of course, was a hotbed of magic, of course. That's why people tried to imitate Moshe in the Aseratamakos coming up in a couple of weeks. But Yosef was able to interpret Hashem wanted Yosef to interpret it. And then Yosef lives in Mitraim, the only Jew in the entire Egypt, married to Asas, who, according to commentators, she converted to Judaism and their children were full-fledged Jews. That's why Menashe Kephraim are the double portion. Yosef gets it as if he's the head of the, of the tribes instead of Ruvain. Ruven lost it, and it goes to... So so Yosef is in a complete, very decrepit society, morally. Morally, they were like all the way on the, on the 50th level of Tumah, pretty much. The Jews were on the 49th level of Tumah. If they were not redeemed at that last minute, they would have been as bad as the Egyptians, and then there wouldn't have been any reason for them to be taken out. The commentators explained. So Yosef is in a very bad environment, but somehow, spiritually, he stays very strong. The visage of his father's face is what saved him from sinning with the with the boss's wife, some say. And um, Yosef is there. And it brings to mind the idea, you know, the, the, the brothers come looking for Yosef after all this time. Finally, after 22 years, they have a little bit of remorse. But some say they weren't remorseful over the sale. They're remorseful for how harsh they were to him and how much it affected their father. If they realized how much it would have affected their father. And that's a lesson for us, by the way. Sometimes we don't think how the outcomes of our deeds will affect other people. That's why Ezehu Chacham Aroa Etanolad. Pergelos and the Gemara tells us not only Ezehu Chacham Halomen Mikoladam, but Ezehu Chacham Aroa Etanolad. Someone who foresees what his outcomes of his actions will do to him and to other people. If the brothers would have seen what it would have done to Yaakov, would they have reconsidered? Would they have figured out what to do instead? They said to Yehuda, we would have listened to anything you said. The sages point out, you told us to throw him in the pit. Actually, one of the brothers said that. Then he said, what use is that? Let's sell him. Had he told us to bring him back, we would have done so. And the commentators also point out, Ruvain, when he goes back to look in the pit, he sees Yosef is gone. He rips his clothing almost. He was felt liable for Yosef. Had he known the Torah would have written about him, he would have taken Yosef on his shoulders and danced and and, and musically brought him back, the, the Medrash points out, I believe. But anyway, the brothers come before Yosef, and Yosef treats them very harshly. And how true in culture and society and history is that a lot of times we feel like we're complacent and we're, we're calm and we feel relaxed and we feel like part of the society. And then all of a sudden there's a huge roundabout. We're accused of being spies. We're accused of, of working against the, the land that we've lived in for so many years. We're accused of trying to harm the government, trying to harm the people around us. We're accused of libels and blood and matzah, crazy, crazy things. See, most recently in... World War II with the Yamach Shemams, you know, they totally turned on the Jews who were the foundation of the society. They were the heads of banks. They were butchers. They were businessmen. They were business people. They were foundation of the society, and they were very good to those around them. And all of a sudden, a complete 180, where they completely turned on them, the, the Polish people and the German people, everyone, basically the whole world turned on the Jewish people. And it was so crazy, they were accused of so many things. And when, when the Jewish people came before Yosef, the brothers, the ten brothers came before Yosef, they probably felt like throughout history, the article notes points out also, they probably felt like throughout history, this is a harsh ruler accusing them of crazy, slanderous things, of stealing the goblet, of coming to spy on the country, 
Which makes no sense because they had food, by the way. They came down just because Yaakov said, why are you making yourself inconspicuous? Everyone else is hungering for food. And they see a man with 10, 11 sons having enough food. Don't make yourself like that. Be modest. Be proper. Don't show your face to those around you. So he sent them down. So the brothers come down. Yosef throws them in jail for three days. And then he keeps Shimon behind because Shimon Balevi Achim Kalei Hamas Mecharosim Vayachi points out. Yaakov knows how strong they are together. They wiped out the whole Shechem. Some say it was Shimon and Levi that destroyed the whole Shechem after what Shechem did to Dina. And Hamor, the father, was involved also. So the whole city was slew. So Yosef knew that Shimon and Levi are a very powerful, powerful duo of the brothers. So he separated them. That's why it says the one. In the Pasuk it says the one is left, which was Levi without Shimon. When he's without his comrade in arms, then he's just the one. And then the goblin and the whole Parsha is at the Mikates. It's at the end, you know, the end of Yosef's time in prison. At the end, finally, at the end, we're, we're left with suspense where one of the brothers is in prison. And um, and then Yehuda is coming before Yosef saying that we can't come back. You know, they bring the food back to Yaakov and Yaakov says, go down. When they run out of food, go down. And Yosef had told them, do not come back without your youngest brother. Otherwise, I don't believe you. You're making this all up. And then... <clears throat> When they see that they're at a standstill, Yehuda gets up and comes before Yosef, which is going to be next part of Ayigash, I love Yehuda. Interestingly, the trump is Kadmavi Azlov Revi'i. I forget where I hear this, but the, the, fourth, the brother got up, the fourth brother, Yehuda, and he goes up and he talks against Yosef, a beautifully impassioned speech. And of course, Yosef finally reveals himself. But at this parsha, we're stuck in the end. We're at the end of the story. We're almost at the climax of the story. This is one of the only Parsha where we're literally stuck at the middle of the story and we don't know what's going to happen. We obviously know what's going to happen, but we don't, we don't see what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to come about next. And that's how interesting throughout history we feel this way as well. Sometimes we feel like we're at the end of our rope. We're at the end of the story. What's going to happen? What's going to be next for the Jewish people, especially during the years of this pandemic, which is still upon us. It keeps mutating. And there's so much, so much craziness in the world. What's going to happen at the end? We're here with these countries and all these countries are turning on us. We have nowhere to go. We can't fly anywhere. Even Israel has many, many restrictions and it's going everywhere. It's rampant everywhere. There's so much anti-Semitism. There's so much Jew hatred out there for various reasons. What's going to happen? What's going to be? Everyone turns on us right away. Just like Yosef shows, he turns on his brothers. He puts on the show. What's going to be? And the holiday of Hanukkah comes to remind us and to tell us, be strong, be brave. Be persistent. Light those flames. Kindle those flames. You go about the Jewish traditions. You keep to your ways. As the very famous phrase goes, if the Jews will not keep Shabbat, the non-Jews will make sure they keep Havdalah or something like that. It's basically where we think about how we're living in society. If we pretend to be a part of society and we pretend to try to assimilate in all cultures, it never works out well for us. You think that the Yamach Shemams cared if one was a religious one or not? No, him, Yamach Shemam, and all his cohorts, all his comrades, they want to get rid of every Jew, whether they're secular or religious, it doesn't matter. The people that are really respected at the end of the day, anti-Semitism aside, is really those who stand strong with their beliefs, stand strong with their values. And we remember, the Greeks wanted to assimilate us, wanted to get rid of us spiritually. Where are the Greeks today? Where are the Romans today? Where are the Medians today? Where are the Persians today? 
Where are the Babylonians today? Where are the Yamach Shemans today? They're all gone. The thousand-year Reich was toppled in much, much less than a thousand years. We are here staying strong. And as we come to the end, we see the Mikates. We know we're at the Ikveh de Mashiach. We know we're at the heels of the Mashiach. We're almost at the end. We're almost there. We have to stand strong and stay with us. But we have to stand strong to our values. As the brothers stand before Yosef, they know that they're not spies. They know they're right. But they feel very... Very confused and very difficult and very anxious in that moment. And they ultimately decide, they bring back Binyamin. And Binyamin is accused of, uh, of stealing the goblet. Of course, I'm saying the details all out of order. Sorry about that. But for those of you who know the story, you know what I'm talking about. And Yehuda finally steps in to save the day. Yehuda is Zohar to have Malchus come from him. Yosef is Zohar to have two tribes come from him to get the portions. But as Rav Chaim from Velazhen famously said, as pointed on official.com, O-F-I-S-H-E-L, if the Jews don't make Kiddush, then the non-Jews will make Havdalah. If the Jews don't make Kiddush, then the non-Jews will make Havdalah. Meaning, if we don't sanctify Hashem by keeping ourselves separate from the non-Jews, keeping our traditions, keeping our way of life, staying strong with the menorah, with the candles, living a life devoted to Hashem, and keeping His commandments, God forbid Hashem will cause the Goyim to separate us from the culture around us. We need to be involved with all aspects of Judaism, especially the flames, and being involved in the wonderful traditions of Hanukkah, and wonderful traditions of everything involved in us, doing sanctification of God's name, properly decorating, practicing our holiday, standing up for what we believe in. As we see and we come to Mikates, we come to the end where Yosef is taken out at the end. He's finally vindicated after 12 years of prison. Granted, he found favor wherever he went, thanks to Hashem and the prison warden and whatnot. Yosef finally was vindicated. Paro brought him out. He brought him to be the viceroy, the second in command. He married Asas, which shows that he was cleared of all charges. And they were still talking about him, by the way, after many years. That's why the warden of the butler and the, and the baker were thrown into jail. Some say that Hashem caused this whole commotion, this whole craziness, this whole scandal. But Yosef comes before Paro and is finally vindicated at the end. Mikates, we too hope that we're finally at the end. We should all be zochet to see Mashiach in the base of Migdash. But as we stand strong with the flames, with our traditions, standing true to what we believe in, hopefully for us it will finally be the end and the coming of the good days. And as the brothers come before Yosef in the end, finally all is cleared, all is clarified. But when they're standing, it must have seemed like throughout history of all the, read all the leaders that never liked us, all the rulers that never liked us, all the cultures that turned on us right away. And things seem flip-floppy, how, how difficult it is. The dark days loom upon us, and as we're in the cold, dreary days of winter, the candles remind us to stay strong, to shine bright, to let the flames go forth, and be happy with the holidays that understand, and we appreciate the meanings and the significance of what's involved. As we come to Mikates and we think about how there's an allusion to Chanukhafei, to Hanukkah, and how many words, I believe, and how many... Days we start Hanukkah on the 2000 and the 25, and we're involved in the idea of Hanukkah being upon us. We should remember what the flames stand for, we should remember what we stand for. And even though the end seems dark, the end seems dreary, it seems like the whole world is in turmoil, the whole world is flip floppy, topsy turvy. It seems that everyone's against us, everyone is out to get us, like the Yosef seemed to his brothers. How it seemed to me, Kate's the end. We should realize that hopefully, the end is really the beginning. Hopefully. 
the beginning is upon us. Hopefully, Mashiach and the third base of will speedily come on our days where we'll see the menorah shining bright and forth in the true base of will be speedily built and may that be today. Join us next time as we talk the TTP, the Parsha of the Week with some practical lessons to keep. And I'm your host, Tani.